Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Was Kyle Trask a wasted pick for the Bucks, or is he indeed the heir apparent to Tom Brady? And the Bucks let Brady know they might draft a quarterback, but they say that Brady can play as long as he wants to. He's earned it. Is that the right approach? The Rays faced Alex Cobb for the Angels on Tuesday night in Anaheim. It got us to thinking, which X-Ray has had the best career once he left Tampa Bay? We'll discuss all that and more with Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute of Media Studies on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Tommy, it was a uh, an interesting pick, and one that we forecast uh, the Sunday before the draft. We had a big package, uh, not coincidentally, on Kyle Trask, the Gators quarterback, who has his own story that is fascinating in and of itself. And, um, you know, look, the, the Bucks uh, have the oldest quarterback room in the NFL. That starts with Brady, who's going to be 44. Then you have two 31-year-olds behind him. So they need to get younger at the position. They need to probably get a little cheaper in some respects at the position too, although Brady leaves a whole lot of money on the table. I don't know. I don't know what you thought of Trask as a college quarterback or or what you think his prospects are as a pro. And for that matter, will we see Trask you know, replace Brady one day? You know, it's a fascinating question all the way around, Rick. And I look at Kyle Trask. I wasn't blown away with him at Florida, but that doesn't necessarily – mean anything i mean there uh, mm-hmm. he was drafted by people who know what they're doing sure you know i i look at it a couple of ways one was there somebody else they should have taken with that second round pick i don't know that there was you know it's probably worth the gamble the other way to look at it is was would he have lasted until the third round i don't think so somebody would have taken him i believe yeah. no i think so because uh, uh two other quarterbacks went in the third round mon from Texas A&M was one of those, and so I think I think. And I uh, wasn't blown away by that guy at all. No, like, I watched no, him play a lot in college, and yeah, very Josh Freeman esque, if you will. Yeah. But he uh, maybe not even that good. But but the thing about the thing about Trask was he was always going to be the sixth quarterback off the board. You know, you you kind of knew who the top five were, uh, and he was going to be six anyway. You you kind of shuffled those top five. So um, I think he I think he went where he was supposed to go in terms of where the next quarterback who. The second, which is really the top of the third round. I mean, he's one pick from the third round, uh, in essence. Whether that's that's a hell of a bargain for for a guy like him. Um, but 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 let's face it. We've said this many many times. The Bucks are all in right now, right? It, it, there's they are not they are not buying green bananas. They're not trying to win tomorrow or yesterday. They they want to win as long as Brady still has breath and enough arm to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and isn't in danger of getting killed because he has functional mobility in the pocket, they got to try to win right away. Isn't there a player, any player at any position that would help them accomplish that more than sitting Kyle Trask on the bench for, I don't know, a year, two, 10. How do we know? (laughs) I mean, you know what, how do we know when Brady's going to call it quits? Well, we don't. And you know, was there a guy out there you could have taken with that spot that might help immediately somebody could play right now possibly 
The way I look at it, though, is, okay, you got a guy like Kyle Trask. You bring him in. He can learn under Tom Brady. I don't know that I'm expecting Tom Brady to, to be a tutor or be a mentor at this no. point. Um, he's never shown – and I don't know. I'm not – I was never obviously in the quarterback rooms in New England, but I don't think he has this reputation of being – Somebody who's going to... You know, it's interesting you brought that up because Jimmy Garoppolo was on uh, one of the morning shows, I think uh, Keyshawn's show on ESPN, and he talked about, you know, because he has a situation with Trey Lance coming in there now to take his job, in essence, and Garoppolo was drafted in the second round, and that obviously irritated Brady at that time. Um, but, yeah, Brady's known as a great teammate, but, I, but I, he, you know, what Garoppolo said was, like, look, we, we really competed. Like, he... Um, you know, he was not looking to lose his job. I mean, that's always, you know, been, it doesn't matter how many Super Bowls he wins. Tom Brady thinks that you're coming for his job and, you know, he's not giving it up. So I think from that standpoint, there was a little bit, not friction between them, but uh, I would agree with you. I don't think Brady sees it as his role to mentor a young quarterback, but if you want to sit in the room, you know, if you're in the room where it happened, as they say in Hamilton, you're going to pick up some things, right? Exactly. You, can, you know, join the TB12 nation and, you know, start <laughs> eating avocado ice cream and drinking avocado tequila and, you know, 108 gallons of water every day. And a little before you know it, you'll be Tom Brady. Um, Absolutely. You make a great point, Rick. I don't expect Tom Brady at this point of his career to be a mentor, to be a tutor. He's not, he's not there to coach Kyle Trask. But if but if he just goes out and does his job and Kyle Trask through osmosis, you know, picks up some stuff from Tom Brady, then that's a great thing. And then you get to a point, Rick, where in a couple of let's say two years from now, you might have your replacement. You might have Kyle Trask. And if you don't, well then you go out and get somebody. I think that's the way the league has turned into anyway. I mean, you look at a lot of guys in this league, you know, I, you, you know, Carson Wentz. Um we saw mm-hmm. what uh Josh Rosen. Josh um, Rosen, Philip yeah, Rivers. Yeah. You know, these guys, yeah. somebody, if you need a quarterback, you go mm-hmm. and find one somewhere. You know, you, you, somebody, there's always one available, at least to get you through for a year or two. So I think it's worth the gamble with Kyle Trask. Maybe you're going to have something at the end of it. And this isn't 1985, where if you didn't draft your guy, then you didn't have a quarterback. Now you can, there's other ways to go out and get guys. And so, I don't know, I, I like, I think I like the pick, even though I'm not crazy about Kyle Trask necessarily. Does that make sense? You know what? I Yeah, I, mean, I think um, uh, here's what's interesting. When you talk to the Bucks about Trask and what they say, especially Bruce Arians, like Christian, those guys that like know a hell of a lot more than I do. What they say, because a big rap against him, well, his arm's not very strong. And I'll say this about guys with, you know, that get to the NFL and people say that, first of all, stop it. Okay? <laughs> Just stop it. All right? Think of the number of players from high school, youth league on up that play the quarterback position, right? There's legions of them, okay? Right. If you're the third guy, if you're, if you're, if you're Ryan Griffin, right, who's attempted all of four passes in the regular season but is in his seventh year of the NFL, they don't just hand out, you know, quarterback jobs in the NFL. Like, you just don't go, hey, yo, could I get that third quarterback job with the Bucs because, like, I don't can't play any, anymore. I'm not very good, but, like, I can stand there in meetings and hold a clipboard like the best of them. That's not how it works, okay? If you make it through college football, Division I college football, playing against Auburn and Alabama, okay, national championship programs like that, and, and you're productive in as much as 
A, you keep the job, okay, for a couple of years, and B, you win a hell of a lot of games, and C, you put up a lot of numbers. Here's the here's the big the big lie. They can all throw the football, okay? There, there's no bad arms, right, in the NFL. If you couldn't throw the football, you're not there. You're not even in college if you can't throw the football. They can right. throw the football. As Brad Johnson used to tell me, and he was at the end of his career when he got to the Bucks. And, and, you know, he, at one point he had a bad elbow and, and he got mad. We wrote about that and, and whatever. We got in a conversation anyway. And he said, listen, he goes, no matter what, you know, people say I don't throw the deep ball. He goes, you know how far you have to throw to throw a deep ball in the NFL? And I was like, wait, he goes, you know, the average deep ball is about 35 to 40 yards in the air. Right. He goes, we're not talking about guys dropping back and throwing at 60 yards. He goes, because he goes, frankly, you don't have time for a guy to get down the field 60 yards. You know what I mean? Like who's. Who's going to run 60 yards? You're going to hold it for six seconds? I was going to say even a 40, like guys who, that can run four, four, like four, four, four 40s. They're 40 yards downfield. That's 40 yards downfield in four seconds. Try holding an offensive line, a defensive right, line off for, for four, four seconds. seconds. Right, So you're not throwing it 100 yards. So there's that. He said number – he goes, he goes number two, he goes, I bet I can still break your nose with this. Why don't you stand, why don't you stand there and let me throw it at you from about 15 yards away. I'll break your nose. And you know what? They will. And so will Kyle Trask. Yeah. You know, this notion that, you know, he's not the strongest. I mean, look, no one – there's not a lot of Patrick Mahomeses out there, okay? There's not a lot of Brett Favre's. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, even Aaron Rodgers, guys that just have such great arms. They can throw from any platform. But but the NFL game especially, okay? Now, I've seen weak-armed quarterbacks thrive in, in, in college football mostly because – mostly – because in college football, guys are running by themselves out there. I mean, right. they're, you know, open in college football. You go to the NFL, and one of the first things Peyton Manning um, found out when Arians was his coach in Indianapolis is, is as a rookie, Peyton would drop back, and he'd be like, well, that guy wasn't open. And Arians would say, no, that is open in the NFL. In other words, he's got half a hand. If you place this ball in the right place, he's going to make the catch. You know, there's not the separation you're used to seeing in Tennessee, you know, and so you have to learn what is open and what is not really open. Um, but but Kyle Trask, I think, you know, what they like about him is he's he's very accurate and he makes quick decisions. You know, Jameis Winston has a great arm, okay? No one has ever said Jameis Winston can't throw a football. The kid's been throwing a football as well as anybody since he was eight years old. But to play in the NFL at the higher level you get, it's a, it's a quick twitch position. And what I mean by that is you better know where the ball is going. You go one, two, three, four. You know, can, how many progressions can you get through in 2.1 seconds, 2.3 seconds, right? What's, what's your pre-snap reads? What's your post-snap reads when they rotate coverage? Can you find the open guy? And not only that, once you identify him, can you put the ball in a place where only he can catch it? Like, that's an, a lot to ask. Many guys don't have that skill. A lot of them can throw the ball. A lot of them can break your nose with it. I think the thing about Trask is is that he's been accurate. And I wasn't a huge Trask guy either, by the way. I'm just telling you what the Bucks say. Um, but he's been accurate, and he's played with really, really good talent. I'm talking about guys that were drafted high in the first round. So he's had as a quarterback, you could say, well, that's his advantage because those guys are so great, no one can cover them. Well, yeah, but he's also had to keep them happy. He's also had to know how to lead those guys, right? Well, so he's playing we, in a big-time conference, too, where you're yes, playing against 
cornerbacks you know players. how to play. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of what was it? Six first round picks from Alabama on defense and offense yeah. the other day. Georgia so I had mean, some guys and yeah, yeah. I mean, when you when you show up in the SEC and the interesting thing, like Trask's story is like nobody else's. The dude went to high school and didn't play, sat the bench. Right nowadays, if you go to even a high school team and you're not starting. You're there for all of one football season. By spring, you're probably transferred to another high school. That's the way the quarterback position works today. And then you get to college, even more so, right? How many college guys stay on the depth chart if they can't get the starting job in a year? You know, now you got the transfer portals. This dude stays at high school. He's behind Derek King, goes to the University of Florida, is not playing at all. Remarkable. They they thought so much of him, they gave him a scholarship. Um, But he, he sits there, doesn't transfer behind Felipe Franks, he gets hurt, has to come in, and he and he, he smashes it. Like, he just rips it, and he crushes it. So, you know, this is the perfect path. This is the path he took from high school to college, from college to the NFL. And now, at some point, you know, you hope, if you're Kyle Trask, that you'll get the chance and hope that Brady decides by the time your four years are up that he's done playing football. Um, but, so I don't, like, I, I don't, and, and yet, and yet the comparison that Bruce Arian said was, you know, I'm bad on comparisons, but if I had to say he's kind of – he's Brad Johnson. Would you take that? Would you – I mean, I, would you take that as a career? For, as a career, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a guy played a long time, played – Won, won a, Super a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, quarterback look, we look at franchises. We watch Kyle Trask, and we see the things he did at Florida. And Bruce Arians and Jason Light and everybody else who's making the decision over there at One Buck Place are looking at a totally different thing than we're looking at when we look mm-hmm. at Kyle Trask. I mean, they know what NFL quarterbacks look like. They're not gonna. They're not doing people a favor by drafting them in the second round. It's a big. It's a. It was a big pick, and they're not gonna waste it just because. Ah, let's take. Ah, let's throw it out. Let's let's see what happens. I, mm-hmm. There's a little more science that goes into he it. Than, hey, let's just let's take a flyer on this kid from Florida because because mm-hmm. he lives up the street. Yeah, no, they like them like them a lot. Um, let me ask, and uh, you know, we know about their propensity to to let players go maybe a year or two early than too late. Um, small payroll, all that, up, and there's been some legendary names. They faced Alex Cobb, who who was a really good pitcher for the race for a long time. Had a terrible injury history. I mean, <laughs> a little story. So my 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 uh, daughter Natasha. God bless her. I should have known that this is who she was when she was very little. I think she was probably about five years old. She went to her first Rays game and first baseball game, major league game, and they're playing Toronto. And we go to the Trop, and we're in a we're a couple innings into the game, and I'm telling her, you know, well, who's the pitcher? Oh, it's Alex Cobb, and you know, this is what he, this is how he pitches, and there's a scoreboard. This is how hard he throws, and he throws a sing. I'm teach. I'm I'm not holding anything back. I right. feel like it's baseball. Let's go. So we're going through it. That happened to be the game where the Toronto, I think it was, was it Toronto? No, it might have been another team. Excuse me if I got this wrong because I know Toronto, I know Jay Happ got this in his face too. But somebody hit a line drive and knocked, that was when Cobb got struck in the head. Yeah, I was at that game. I was in a press box. Scariest thing. And I can't remember the team. But anyway, it was sickening. It was sickening. I I wasn't at the Jay Happ game, but I was at the the Cobb game. But I'm telling you, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen, I think. Watching base, I did see something as scary in college baseball. That's another story, but this he goes down, and the whole you know, and it was a fairly decent crowd. I want to say there was maybe you know because it was a game that we wanted to see, and there was maybe 
10, 12,000 people or, or more in that stadium. And we're down the right field line, but not that far. And the place, as you can imagine, gets death, deathly quiet. I mean, just no one is – everyone's standing there with their hands over their mouth. And from the mouth of babes, my five-year-old daughter stands up and as loud as you can be at five years old says, well, he'll never pitch again. <laughs> And I was mortified, and then I thought it's not funny, yeah, you might but be it's right. funny. You could be, you could be. You, you know, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look good right now, you know. But he did. I remember. I give him credit for it. Yeah, I think I think it was Eric Hosmer. I think they're playing Kansas City. I think Eric. You're right. I want to say it was Kansas Eric. Co- That's a great memory. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Eric Hosmer who who hit who hit it too, and he was, yeah, he was a great right. player. Who's yeah. now his teammate, right? And Sandy. Or, oh no, uh, he's he's in with the Angels now. With the Angels now, yeah. But. I remember talking to Alex Cobb. By the way, Alex Cobb, people ask me all the time, like, who are your favorite athletes to cover? That guy's top 10 all time, Alex Cobb. Really? Yeah, tremendous. Just a really good down-to-earth guy, gets it, you know, just. Boy, and, he was uh, the bad luck guy. He was the guy that walked under ladders by black cats all the time. And, <laughs> broke mirrors. Board yeah, number 13. The, I mean, it's like, what the hell? He had, you know, he had one of the injuries like Stamkos had, where they had to take a rib out because yeah. he had blood clots. But yeah. I remember, um, I remember talking to his then girlfriend uh, about it, and and she was like, like, why don't you quit? Can you quit? Can you quit baseball? <laughs> you and quit like baseball, and and he's like, do you don't understand? I love the game. She's like, can't you like coach a little league team or something? Like, wouldn't that be? <laughs> because, and there was there was that moment as your daughter said, like he may never pitch again. I was watching. Did you watch a game the other night where guy hit a line drive back in glass? Now and I don't even know how he caught it, but if that ball's you know three feet higher, it takes it takes off glass now's head. I I don't know how. I'm telling you, man, it's a it's a miracle that something worse hasn't happened to somebody on the mound. I'm, I'm obviously talking about worst case scenario, but it's a um, it's scary, but yeah, Cobb, one of the all time, uh, one of the all time great guys to cover. But so anyway, you were you were on your pitching, yeah. He's still yeah. pitching, and and I guess the question was going to be, it got me to thinking because I mean, you know, good for him. He's been to a couple spots since he left the Rays, and, and Baltimore, I think, was one of them, and not not with the kind of success he had with Tampa Bay. Um, this always fascinates me because there are there are Tampa Bay Rays throughout the majors, and now there's executives and managers as well. Um, but that said, you know, for a small market team like the Rays, who, you know, fans got upset a lot because they would draft, develop a player, maybe even give him from an organization. As soon as he got really good and was facing some kind of arbitration and or free agency, he was dealt, you know, and, and that, that was the, the curse of the small market teams. And I get all of that. But I would just say this. Who do you think of all the players, the star players and others that have been um, dismissed by the Rays or set a sale or what have you, who do you think had the best career after they left Tampa Bay? Boy, that's a really good question because we sit here in Tampa Bay and we talk about all these guys that got away and oh, it's the worst thing that can ever happen. And then we sort of forget about what happens to them after they leave. And there's been some, you know, Carl Crawford. And uh, David Price, and David Price, and Chris Will Archer, who Sh- left Will and came Shields. back. Yeah, uh, uh, James Shields. James um, Shields. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Will Myers. Will Myers. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who? Who? I and I. I love you know me. My man crush on Will Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt Garza left. Uh, and there's been some relievers that have gone. Ben Zobrist 
left. Let me see. Like, if I had to pick Evan one Longoria, guy. That was a big Evan deal. Longoria, obviously, that was a big one. Steven Souza Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Um, boy, of all the guys that you mentioned, I mean, I mean, you go back even a little bit further than that. I talk about guys that I disliked, guys that I didn't like covering, Aubrey Huff, but Aubrey Huff went on and had some success with the I believe San you Francisco helped him track. pack, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I, right? I would have loved to help him pack. Yeah, not a, <laughs> no one I liked less and disrespected uh, more than wow. Aubrey Wow. Huff. And it has nothing to do with his politics. Just didn't care for the guy. Mm. Um, and he didn't. And I'm sure he, he speaks could highly two of craps, you. Two craps about speaks me. Speaks highly well. of you. Yeah. Sure he doesn't even know my name. Um, and I covered him for three years, which which also says a lot about him. I know your um, name. Your name is Champ. That's <laughs> Frank Howard. Uh, I would say, you know what? I get. I think I'd probably go with David Price, Rick. Uh-huh. And I and you know he's. I think he won 17 games once. I think he won 16 another year with Boston. Won a World I, Series. Won a World Series, and I know he had some postseason issues could, after he left. Could have won one last year had he not opted out, by the way. Right, and now I, I believe he just – I think he's going to be out for a couple weeks now with uh, yeah. at least with the Dodgers. I think that's the answer. What do you think? Uh, the final answer is David Price. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's subjective, obviously. There's been some guys – look, I, I mean, there were guys that I thought would do really well. Um, Carl Crawford was that guy. I thought when they got rid of Carl Crawford that he was just going to come back and haunt them. They they sent him to to uh, Boston. Well, he left, right? I mean, they he didn't left even as, he, he left, as, left a free as a free agent. agent. They, yeah, they didn't try to re-sign him, and he got big money, I think, to go there, and just was terrible. You know, I um, mean, one of those guys. I don't blame anybody for how all that went on. I don't blame the Rays for letting him go because. He was at the point where you were going to have to pay him as if he were the best player on your team, and he was no longer the best player That's on your right. team. At that point, he was like your third or fourth best player. But somebody else was willing to pay him that kind of money, and it was Boston. And so I don't blame him for leaving. I don't blame the Rays for letting him go. I don't blame Boston for signing him. But it just didn't work out. And I don't no. think – I just think that uh, – I don't think it was a pressure thing, but it just – I don't know. I don't know if he ever felt comfortable in Boston. Then he went to L.A. and – Boy, talk about a career that just kind of fizzled out. And he was a really good player, you know, for yeah. several years there. I mean, still bases, hit with power, um, tremendous glove. Um, you know, another guy, like I, B.J. Upton had some really fine years with the Rays at times. Also, I had some, you know, plays that were memorable that weren't really good ones. But um, he didn't do much when he left, you know, and, and there was a lot of, Pushback about Longoria going to the Giants, which had an enormous amount of money left on his contract, and Evans been hurt, haven't haven't done much with him either. So, no, it's, I mean it's he stands on me that there's not a ton of players, you know, that you can say, boy, did they did they did they screw up by letting that guy go? Right, you know? right, and and Mark Topkin probably would be better, you know, to answer some of these questions. They may have had some minor leaguers that were a part of trades. That you oh, didn't sure. realize at the time, you know. We're probably um, easily forgetting the greatest player that ever lived that the Rays got rid of. But I, <laughs> I, I listen, I, I just think the Rays do a good job of being the Rays. You know, the way they can draft and identify players or find a veteran player who maybe people think are, is done, and then they show them, hey, you know, here's your strike, swing, and miss rate on this pitch. Throw it more. You know, like simple stuff yeah. like that. And it's just, it's just what they do them – they do – Rays better than anybody else can try to do what what the Rays do, and it is remarkable to me to see. And now, 
Tom, they got this thing. We've seen openers. We've seen bulk guys. We've seen closers. I didn't know we were going to see them every day. Like the same – like they're at the point now where no one – literally other than Tyler Glass now, right, and maybe Ryan Yarborough, they don't really have anybody that has – you know, Diego Castillo has been the closer for the most part of the of the number one bullpen. But you can throw any time, any inning, anywhere, any day at this point. It's It's just – Hey, whose whose arm feels okay today? No, exactly. And you wonder how it's going to play out over 162 games. We saw last year over 60 games it worked out okay. And yeah. I, and you know every year I think oh this this can't last. Eventually the pitching's going to wear out, but it never seems to. And they always seem to come up with somebody else. I know they're banged up in the bullpen right now. Um, I don't, you know Rick when I look at this when I look at the, this Rays team and I the only the only thing I think we're going to look back. I think midway through the year, you talk about cut cutting costs and all that. I just, I think at some point the Blake Snell thing is going to catch up with him, and and maybe the Charlie Morton. I understand why you don't sign Charlie Morton to a big deal. You don't give him maybe what Atlanta gave him, but yeah. at the same time, I well, it would be nice to run those guys out there every first, every fourth and fifth day. You know, well, it would, but what if, um, for example, um, Shane McClanahan becomes Tyler Glass now from the left-handed side. You know, what if some of these young guys develop and end up carrying you the rest of the year? In other words, we're one month into the season. There's still time for a lot of these these young pitchers to get healthy, to get back. I don't know that Chris Archer is going to do anything for them this year. And yeah, he's maybe not. making $6 million. But what if he does? What if he comes? I mean, I know what you're saying. You'd feel a lot better about the known than the unknown quantities uh, that they got right now. But boy, you talk about mixing and matching, man! It is all hands on deck. I'm I'm amazed at the depth that they have in their organization. For I mean, they got it feels like they have 25 pitchers, major league pitchers on the roster. Yeah. is what it feels like. It's a it is amazing, and I think that's the biggest difference with what we see from teams today. We talk about this all the time, Rick. We talked about this a, a week or two ago when we were talking about fixing baseball or mm-hmm. or how baseball has changed, and. You know, your whole organiza- organization used to have uh, – we might have two guys that could throw 95, 96, 98. They got like 15 guys in their organization. Got a whole stable of guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. A stable. Uh, uh, the only thing – Rick, you were on this before I was, and, and we're, you know, we recorded this without knowing exactly how the last two games of the Anaheim series turned out. But um, the offense uh, – you were more concerned about the offense than I was. I was really excited about this offense – it goes up and down. It goes in and out. Um, Listen, before you give me credit, I was on record as saying, even before I was concerned, that this might be, or maybe I asked the question huh, rhetorically, that this might be the best raise offense they've ever had. And it turns out it probably isn't. Um, and I thought it would, and I am I still think it might turn out to be okay. Um, it's like still I, said, I, I agree with you. That it's I like still Austin Meadows. I thought he'd have a big year. There are a couple of guys you're disappointed in. Yoshi, uh, yeah, and and Brandon Lyle sort sort of goes feels like it's a carryover yeah. from the World Series, and you know Willie Adamas goes through these like really huge slumps. It's uh, and then snaps out of it. I don't know. It's uh, and Kiermaier again. Kiermaier, you never know what you're going to get from him. He goes through hot streaks as well. So I don't know. I mean, they just as a team, they they have not struck the ball very well they haven't scored a lot of runs um they don't put hits together they don't hit a lot of home runs i mean it's just it's been so spotty um that no one's having no one's really having a good year i mean i think 
I think Rosarena is going to hold up his end of the bargain, although he strikes Looks me like out it. more than I yeah. thought he would. But <laughs> strikes I, out a ton. Theory is always that if you can do it once, you should be able to do it all the time. That's just not the way baseball works. But I've seen Austin Meadows hit 33 home runs in a season, so you think he should be able to do it again. Um, and yet, you know, the first month was bad for everyone with very few exceptions. I mean, Joey Wendell um, hit really, really well, but I don't think you went into the season saying, hey, that little – Joy Wendell's going to carry us at the plate this year. So um, we'll see. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'll wrap it up on this one. Uh, it is it is uh, Teacher Appreciation Week, Tommy. I don't know if you oh, know wow. that. I did not S- know that. Since uh, you, your children are uh, probably long out of school. Mine are not. They, I got a couple still in school. We have some really good teachers up here. At McKittrick and Bob Martinez and uh, and eventually Steinbrenner. Let me ask you this question: Is there a teacher or two that, if I said who is your favorite teacher, you would know immediately who that might be? Absolutely. There was a woman uh, that I that taught me in high school. Uh, her name was Mary Sue Prokop. She was an English teacher, and um, and that's how I really started to really um, enjoy English and enjoy literature and writing um she was she was one of those teachers who was in a bad mood but like in a fake bad mood all the time it was kind of her shtick you know just Mm -hmm. kind of like uh like just crotchety but she really was she was actually very humorous and very and and um and and loved her students um but acted like she didn't So you would then either credit or maybe in this case blame her for your career choice? Is that yes, I would credit her. People who don't like me can blame her if that's the way you <laughs> want to look at it. You know what? There was another story, too, that I thought of. Um, so I had uh, – when I was in college, I was a freshman at USF, and I took this class called – I think it was called World Perspectives or World Cultures. Basically, it was like a science uh, – social studies class, I, you know, part of your requirement. Um and and we studied like uh, you know foreign governments and that sort of thing. It was a it was a fascinating class, and it was taught by a guy by the name of, of Mark Amon was his name. Mm-hmm. So and I loved it. I had it as a freshman and really you know really got you know enjoyed uh, taking his class. And um, I remember at the end of the semester, I had missed like out on an A by like one point, and I went to see him and. He looked at my grades again and ended up bumping me up to an A. It was really that nice. a boy. There you go. So uh, a couple of years, my last year at the Times, like two or three years ago, uh, I get an email about something I had written about. I think it was about Colin Kaepernick, and he was he was like, "Hey, I really enjoyed your column." Blah blah blah. Very nice, very glowing, you know, praise of of something I had written, and he signed it, Mark Amon, and I wrote him back and I said, "Hey, do you, are you you wouldn't happen to be a Mark Amon who taught?" school at usf did you and he said yep guilty as charged and it turned out i ended up meeting him for lunch in downtown st pete and he's this yeah he's probably like in his late 70s now but like sort of uh just a really just a really cool guy and and that we just had that one lunch we said we're gonna keep in touch we didn't after that but 
uh, just a fascinating, really super interesting guy. And it was really cool to connect with him after all those years. And, and he was, a, he was surprised. I remembered him. Um, and I, he didn't remember, you know, teaching me obviously. Um, but it was really good to connect. So he was probably my favorite college professor. <laughs> One lunch. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, like after like, I mean, imagine after, after like 35 no, years it's pretty, it is to pretty see remarkable. a name and go, Hey, are you the yeah. same guy who, you know? Yeah, no, I, that's that's I, I had two. I uh, one was uh, one was kind of bizarre. It was I was in third grade, right? I think third grade's a transition year, you know, when you're in school. Yeah, um, a booster year, and, and we were in this program it was at Isaiah Elementary over in St. Pete, where I grew up. And we had, the, and I don't know her first name, uh, and even what the she was. To me, she seemed older when I had her, but she's probably like thirty, you know. Yeah, um, I was like ten. Um, but, uh, or less, but, uh, Mrs. Garrison was her name and, and she put me in a program. They had this thing called ELP at the time, enhanced learning program. So a few of us smart Alex, you know, Mr. Smarty pants is we got to go <laughs> do some, some extra things, right? We got to leave the classroom and, uh, ostensibly do some fun projects and things like that. Well, what I didn't realize, like part of it was like, felt like, you know, kindergarten in a way it was it was easy it was so easy that we had too much free time and I can just remember um and this wasn't Mrs. Garrison's fault she was an excellent teacher learned a lot from her math she you know that was back when you you had one teacher and they taught you everything right right right, you know all all the all the core curriculum so um really liked her and you know those little rockets that have the co2 cartridges that you would light and they'd go up in the sky yeah. yeah yeah you know like those those things they're kind of cool to play with, actually. I wouldn't mind playing with one right now. <laughs> I was going to say, let's go. buy one tomorrow. Yeah, then go buy one tomorrow. And so we got one of these rockets that had like a clear a clear compartment. And then we got a bunch of little uh, lab mice. You know, you see these little mice that you can buy that, uh, I don't know, for like, I don't know what their purpose is other than maybe you feed them to snakes. I don't know. But they're actual mice. You know, you can get white ones or black ones. You're not going to have PETA after this, after us on this podcast. Well, I didn't know that this was abuse at the time. <laughs> I, listen, all I knew is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, at one point, didn't our, our space program send a monkey into space? Or was that Russia? I can't remember which. But anyway, we thought, let's send a mice into one of these rockets, right? And we wanted to choose the most fit mouse that we could that we could find. So we put them through a series of tests. You know, it was like Rocky or something. He's like, yeah, run up steps and stuff. Yeah. Hey, we had maze races that we timed. We wanted the smartest. We wanted the most athletic, the one with the most endurance. We put them we put them through what NASA would do, except they were mice, not astronauts. You should, did you, you give them like steroids or anything? Like you should have given one of them steroids. Like had we had the up. steroids, Tom, I guarantee you we would have tried it. <laughs> but this is what we were enhanced learners. Don't you know? So we were allowed to do these crazy things. I still can't believe the Pinellas County School System put me in this thing, but this is what we did. So at the end of the school year, we had put these uh, these poor mice through NASA training, and we chose our John Glenn. So this mouse was going to be launched. In this, I mean, is this getting crazy enough for you at this point? This mouse. Was Let me know how this finishes, and I'm going to either <laughs> like say, "Oh, that's great," or I'm going to like I disavow all knowledge <laughs> of this. Well. It went okay. Um, the weird he thing lived. was, the, a, there, yeah. how, no matter what happens, like have the yeah. mouse live. No mice were killed in this okay. in this experiment. But uh, but the but the weird thing was is that we got to uh, you know we got to launch window, you know, and uh, the entire sixth grade was outside their classroom 
and as we were going to launch the mouse from the uh, CO2 cartridge rocket, and we had our countdown. We launched that sucker. Because of the weight, we didn't really account for the weight. <laughs> that probably would limit the actual propulsion of the rocket because, you know, generally there wasn't a passenger on these rockets right. of, of the mouse's weight. So it didn't go that high. It didn't really it – went, it, it went high, but not like it normally would have. But, yes, the mouse safely returned to Earth. And, uh, anyway, that's why Mrs. Garrison was my favorite teacher. The other one was – Joel Gamble, shout out to him at Arkansas State. I probably, like you, that was probably the class, and I think it was, I was a journalism major, but it was like a com law and ethics class. I really got into that. I thought, you know, that like the division between the First Amendment and the protections and, and all of that. But I uh, we did a lot of writing. Uh, I, was, I think I also had him for composition or something like that. So Joel Gamble, who was the department head, he's retired since now um, at Arkansas State. Um, he was the other guy. So, yeah. we, we Yeah, that's, I took always a, journal- a teacher. Yeah, I took a journalism class at St. Pete College, like in, in the summer, and yeah. uh, and it was one of those things where, uh, the and I wish I could remember her name because she was really good. It was like an introduction to journalism teacher, yeah. And she said, uh, "Hey, the St. Pete Evening Independent is looking for people to to there cover Friday night football games." There and it was. I went down there and signed up and went out and covered a game. Next thing I know, I was working for the. St. Petersburg Times. The rest, as they say, is that's, history. That's it. Uh, uh, columnists went all the way to the top. Tommy, I'm still trying to scratch and claw my way there. Yeah, I'll probably never make it. But anyway, I am Well, top tens. You work for a top ten sports I section, do. I see. How wow, about that? that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and I'm expecting uh, my congratulation note for you for the APSE award that I won some That's time right. Ago. You won an APSE award? All mm-hmm. I know is I leave... Uh, and you guys section got better section got better so to, to quote the old herb brooks line looks like coach got rid of the right guy <laughs> erroneous erroneous <laughs> i just think there's fewer newspapers to compete against at this point no i, I don't know we're no, very we're i very, saw the name the papers the that you guys times, were up against the yeah. la times we have not left the division one double one a we're still in the SEC, uh, if not the nation. We're yeah. You're up there with the big, with the yeah. big boys. New York Times, Washington Post, Washington Post, Star Tribune. Yeah, I did have fun. There was several years ago. Um, the Times was like top ten every year for like several years when I was there and you yeah. were there and Mark sure. Tompkins and all that. Then I left, and I went to the Star Tribune, and the Times went through a little. Slump. But now that newspaper gone. you were at was remarkable in sports. Yes, they, they, every year. Well, every year. And then I came back to the Times, yeah. and the Times started winning again. That's so all I know point. was there was like about a six-year gap where the Times or the Star Tribune, whichever paper I was at, was in the top ten. Whichever paper I was not at was not. So Well, I remember the conversations, and I'm not making this up. Jack Shepard said, I need to get me my Tom Jones back, and we need to do it now. And he went after you. You did not necessarily pursue this job That's as true. i recall he called you so he called me and i came back and i was yeah uh, yeah and, 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 and not so. and then the rest was history and here yeah. you are you and i doing and radio, i think you were making podcasts. so much money at the minneapolis star tribune that i will thank you to this day they had to give us all raises because they knew that this would not go over well well the, the thank the star tribune thank for, for its location one you have to pay a lot of people to live in like igloos Many freezing apples and uh and and two it's a union paper so <laughs> beautiful yeah well you you jacked up our non-union wages i can tell you that so we're 
We're happy about that. What do we got going on? You are now at pointer.org. You can read your newsletter five, what, six, ten days a week? What is it? Yeah, five, five days a week, just for a couple more days. I'm going on vacation next week. My man. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Just taking a week to uh, a staycation. To not watch Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. A staycation. I'm guessing you're going to wake up. You're going to do a little uh, little breakfast. little uh, breakfast and then uh, bar rescue marathon. Bar you know? rescue marathon. Dad, do you I ever like watch it. that show, by the way? Bar rescue? I, I have not. It's do they tremendous. Rescue, are they literally rescuing bars or people in bars? They're <laughs> a little both. Because I've needed some bar rescue in my day. I can tell you that. Well, no, you should watch your show because the guy that runs it, like it, he just goes crazy. He just starts screaming at people, and it's it's a it, it's a, amazing. It's it's the so best this show. is the um, so they're actually running the bar. They're they're screaming. Well, they, 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 they a bar a bar is failing papers. in some ways, usually because the bartenders are overpouring and. The place isn't been, clean. And, you know, that's a big problem in bars when you're overserved. You've been overserved before, right, Tom? I'm sure you have. Yes. Yeah. No, they shouldn't do that. Well, and not only that, but like they, they, they don't take care of it. The kitchen's dirty. Mm. Nobody oh, comes. So it's like rats and stuff? Or in some cases, yeah, but usually it's just dirty grease and all that. And uh, he just goes in there and starts yelling at people, and it's great. <laughs> he calls them names, and and then he then he builds them back up and, and fixes it up, and then they then they're back on. The, All the right, I got one for you. Maybe maybe you've watched this, and, and this is on. Are you a Netflix guy? Or I I not I've got a ton. A, My wife watches a bunch of Netflix. There's a million series that I have never watched, and I and I hope that I make it to retirement one day so I can actually sit and watch these series. But I I binged for two days. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? No, it's about chess, but it's yeah. really it's Sounds really an tremendous. interesting story. It's, I've it's, heard of it. I couldn't stop watching it. I don't know why. It might have been it might have been the actors or the actress in it. I don't know, but it was just it was fascinating to me. The Try stuff it out. On, Check it out. Yeah, I will. My wife watched. Let me the, just tell you, it's not about the queen, okay? Because I think a lot. Because <laughs> I said something to my wife. She goes, "Oh, is that the royal show?" I go, "No, it has nothing to do with the queen. The queen's gambit is a ch- <laughs> uh, forget about it." You know the. Uh, my wife watched the and then got me watching the last half the the one that the movie that won best documentary the the octopus uh, documentary which was tremendous. Is it about an octopus? It's about about octopus. Yeah. Really? It's, yeah, it's tremendous. Giant something below the sea, like way deep in the sea. It's like, like my 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 octopus jock- teacher, my teacher the octopus. Or I forget what the name of it even was. What? So it's tremendous. It's you check. Are it out. you talking so, about the sea creature? I mean, yes, actually, yes, the underwater eight legs octopus. Yeah, like one octopus or octopi? Is it's, it many octop- octopi or is it just one? It's octopus? one. It's one in general, you know. But it's about octopus and it's about one octopi. It's it's really. I didn't no, even it, see the whole thing, and I'm like, I was I was sucked into it. And thought it was tremendous. You were sucked into it. I get. I see what you. No, did I didn't there. even. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> you know what? Also, I watched the other day too. Speaking of documentaries, the, I went back and watched again the other day. It's amazing. The free solo, the guy that climbed El Capitan without ropes, uh, three thousand feet straight up. Yeah, that's like, just suicide. It is. Place. It's crazy. But this guy I, and I became obsessed with uh, with Alex. I think it's Alex. Honold or Hollard or something like that. Here's and my question about his that. lifestyle and all that. It's really just fascinating. If you let's say you're nutty enough and you are lucky enough to uh, and talented enough to somehow scale said mountain, okay? Yes. With any without the use of anything, how in the hell are you getting down? Well, do they at least come get you? They're not no. What ha- the way it usually works is you. You climb up the face up, but you can walk down the other side of it, and it's usually uh, okay. it's usually so. It's like a, so on the other side, it's just like a little bike trail, like you can yeah. basically like you know 
Yeah. It's all it's all cemented and it's just kind of like, you know. Right. <laughs> joggers joggers and dogs are over there, but you probably a dog could probably get up the other side of it, yeah. <laughs> That's how to yeah. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. No. I've always been interested. No. It's, I'm, I'm fascinated by mountain climbing, like Mount Everest, and reading stories about that, and climbing Iger, you know, the Iger Mountain, and all that. But yeah. I, I have, I can't do it. It's Listen. like me with like uh, home improvement shows, like this old house. I am fascinated by this old house. Can't do it. Can't, can't work a saw. Can't hit a nail straight. Can't do any of it. But I love watching it. Yeah, I, I'm the heights thing. I mean, I have, I have conquered some of my fear when I when I went skiing. I I was able to look only ten feet ahead of me and go down these giant mountains and stuff, which I should never do. But I think you know, when I pitched in little league and climbed on the mound, it scared me because that's <laughs> like, wow, I'm way up here. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not a heights guy. I couldn't. Uh, it's just it freaks me out. And these people. Well, uh, that do hike and stuff, they'll they'll climb on these ledges. Have you seen these people? Though? Yes. And it, it's actually like in a park or something. I went up this thing with Eduardo Encino, my buddy cop, if you're listening. Um, we were in Seattle, and he's a big hiker. And um, he and his wife hike a lot. So so Ed shows up, and, and he goes, you know what, we're going to go hiking. I was like, all right, I'll go hiking. What, you know, what could, how hard yeah, could it be, yeah, right? right? Let's hike. Right. I, mean, I know how to hike, you know. It's walking, right? It's walking, it's walking it's, in the it's, woods. It's, it's it's walking in the woods, but it's it's just walking upward. It's a little bit of endurance. Who doesn't like a nice walk in in the fall in Washington? It's beautiful. Sure. It's, I'm thinking, well, this is going to be easy, but then invariably you get to a place where it's the greatest view ever that you wish you had taken a helicopter to go to because you know you could have gone without this pain. But you get up there and there there's these ledges, and you can walk out on the safe spot, right where it's there's actual rock. But then there's these people that once they get up there, no, no, no. They're going to go and dangle their feet and sit on the edge of this no, mountain. No, like, no, no, not me. And they're all doing it. And they're like, oh, come on over here. I'm like, uh-uh. No. No way. You're crazy. Uh-uh. That's just scary to me. Uh, I, you know what's funny? I was um, not funny, but uh, it was cruel. I didn't, But I didn't think it would be cruel. So... I won't mention which writer it was, but there was years ago I was covering the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we had a uh, we were covering a game in Calgary and Calgary and Edmonton both uh, the the arenas there they have a gondola that basically you almost like the press box almost like looks straight down on top of the ice like you almost could drop a pen and it would land on the ice you know not quite wow. but but you're basically looking straight down but to get out to it you have to walk over like this like basically over top of the seats, like way up in the air though, on like a, like grates and they're covered. It's completely safe on both sides. You can't possibly fall over. It's like fenced in almost. Yeah. But we were walking out, but if you look straight down, you could look through the gates and look down to the seats. So you're way, you know, almost, you know, several hundred feet above the ice. And as we were going across about halfway, I said to the writer behind me, I'm like, Hey man, does this feel like this thing's moving? And I like acted like I was all dizzy and everything. And he hit the ground. He fell on the ground and had oh to crawl God. the rest oh of the way God. because he was so he... scared. And then I basically had to lead him by the hand almost to get across. Once he was out on the gondola, he was fine. But 
because you couldn't see down any further. You were altitude bullying is what you were doing. I didn't realize. I thought I, so you know, that's a thing. Altitude the, bullies are the worst bullies of all kind. The guy told me, like he told me, he's like, oh, I'm not crazy about heights, but I didn't think it was that. I, and I felt horrible after were I Were you said, shaking it? Like were you rocking it back Like I forth? pretended to. Like I wasn't even, it's it's so solid you couldn't even shake it. I acted yeah. like it was moving, but uh, okay. it wasn't. So yeah, anyway, no, I felt the, bad now. The heights is a really what's well, a good it's a good confession I'm sure you learned from it the heights thing is a is a is a terror I'm sure there's a there's a phobia for that right I'm sure oh yeah one that I'm forgetting but um anyway well check out Tom Jones's uh, newsletter and, he and writes check about, out free solo the movie it's tremendous and free solo <laughs> yeah exactly and uh and also the Queen's Gambit you'll and like the that octopus as, movie yeah yeah, well, if there's more than one, it should be octopi. <laughs> it's about one octopus. I hope. Octopus. I hope it's a sensational octopus with eight arms or legs. All right, Tommy. Thanks for the uh, beautiful uh, two days of pods with you. We will uh, not talk to you next week as you are on vacation, but uh, catch up with you later, man. Thanks. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.